Hi, welcome to Unscripted with Elaine Sullivan and Hannah Liversidge. In today's conversation, we talk about agile and how that can help with big change in your life. I hope you enjoy it. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. Looking forward to our phone call. Oh, our phone call. Our call today. Um, it's so weird that we do this now just via a, a Zoom call. And now it's basically just phone calls all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, life has changed. I mean, we would, I think we were talking last time, you know, what would it be like if this had happened 20, you know, 20 years ago? These oh. calls just would not have been possible. Um, so... Just, just delighted, delighted again, my dear, to be talking to you. Thank you. I love them. I really do. I'm glad that we have, like, we do have weekly calls. And I was just like, let's record one. And you're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, she said yes. Del Monte, she said yes. Well, something I always loved about our relationship and something that I admired about you particularly was you were well into IT at a very, very young age. You knew exactly what you wanted to do. Do you want to tell us oh, a bit? Oh, yes. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I suddenly got the IT bug. I was nine. Um, and I, what it was is I was living in Wales. And uh, it was the fifth anniversary of the Aberfan disaster, which was that awful situation in Wales where the nutty slack collapsed and collapsed onto a school um, and it killed many many people many children um, and I remember seeing that on the television but at the same time now it might have been different times but it's I associated with the same time I remember seeing um, the news BBC News on Wales talking about the largest data centre in Europe being opened in Wales. And it's what we now know as the DVLA. Um, and they said about computers. This was like, <laughs> nine, I'm giving my age away now, 1969. And um, they said, um, and I said to my father, what's a computer? And he went, just shrugged his shoulders, said, I don't know. Mm. Um, adding machine of some sort, I think. And he came back a few days later and I've still got the images of this book in my head of the Ladybird Book of Computers. And um, Ladybird. Ladybird, yeah. So, you know, I had the Ladybird Book of Birds, the Ladybird Book of this, the Ladybird Book of that. But I had computers, the Ladybird Book of Computers. And I remember reading it from cover to cover. And the last, because if you remember, you used to have some work writing on one side and pictures on the other. Mm -hmm. And the picture on one side was of this big, huge open warehouse type space with these seeming cupboards around the outside, one desk in the middle with a terminal on it and the one person sitting at that terminal. Mm -hmm. And they had a list of jobs of all the things that you could do, you know, being a, a working in computers and one of the jobs was a systems analyst and I went that's what I want to do systems <laughs> analyst. so nobody at that point in time really understood what a systems analyst did but I was trying you know we didn't have you know the we, Wikipedia we didn't have Google and everything else but I understood it was about 
learning how systems work and you know doing something with them and it just captured me captured my soul and that's what I wanted to do um so I ended up in a um comprehensive school uh, 15 um Mm -hmm. when they were talking about um you know what do you want to do for a job so (laughs) mum goes along to the uh to the um the careers evening and it said comprehensive school and we weren't expected to do very well so careers evening and it's come work for Sainsbury's be a shop filler that sort of thing right yeah exactly exactly talk about aspirational and my mum went over to the quiz and she said um uh that's what my you know she wants to work with computers uh, she wants to be a systems analyst and the woman just looked at her very very blankly and said hmm she's got to get her maths for that and mum said I don't think there's any problems with that, that was <laughs> subject. so all the woman did was just shove some leaflets into my mum's hand and um my mum came home with some leaflets but none the wiser and I tried to get into um, college doing uh, computer studies and the course which was a full-time course was reduced to a part-time course and then unfortunately my father said that I couldn't do a part-time course um, so I had to go out and get some work Um, and I started working for a computer company at 16 Um, and this particular computer company was doing some amazing stuff with equipment you know the first uh, the first 300 megabyte hard disk 300 megabyte is nothing now but this thing was about four foot by four foot by four foot you know (laughs) meter and a half by meter and a half by meter and a half for 300 megabytes and and you can get more than that now you do you know a couple of gigs on a tiny little thumb drive (laughs) Um, and we had oh we were the first first company in the world to put one meg into core so that if anybody that understands that that's fine but for people that don't like when me. we load up, <laughs> when we load up our computers now, we have a load of memory that everything goes into the memory as we're we're working, and we have some sixty four times the amount of processing, sixty four thousand times amount of processing on our iPhones or whatever than we had at that point. But we, you know, we were groundbreakers, this company I worked for. So that's how I got started. That's a long story around it. Um, and it had just been from age nine. That's all I ever wanted to do. Uh, just wanted to work with computers. Uh, maybe it was I was trying to avoid people. Who knows? <laughs> but, um, you know, and... and, and Hands up Hands up, introverts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, at least you know, if it goes wrong, you know there's some logic to it going wrong. If yeah. people go wrong, you don't really know. Can't but control yeah. or delete, can you? And no, not not easily, not easily. <laughs> <laughs> so did that yeah. company then put you into the agile systems? Like what, what got you into this whole agile thingamabob? Right. So the company that I worked for, you know, this is many, many years before Agile became you know, a, a thought. And before that, there was um, there was uh, a thing called RAD, which was uh, rapid. I think it was rapid architectural development, um, which was a way of looking at things so that you could get things done 
relatively speedily without being able to understand the whole of what it was that you were trying to achieve. That's mind blowing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and agile came, I think, slightly after that. Um, it was um, Sutherland who developed agile, and, and his backstory is amazing because he was an ex RAF guy, uh, ex American forces guy mm. that came out working for a computer company next to um, a company that was making robots. And these robots were making decisions based on previous experience. And he suddenly realized that he could merge the two together. So that's where Agile came from, brain size of the planet. Um, And I was there quite early. Uh, I actually had my Agile training with Mr. Sutherland. Um, which is fantastic (laughs) yeah exactly name drop um (laughs) and I think the I think where that benefited me is that it gave me the understanding of not just what one has to do but how one thinks about doing it which is different um Mm. because you're not just going through if I do x y and z then I get the result. It's why am I doing X, Y, and Z? Which means that you, you know, it means that you can review what you're doing, you can learn from it, and you under, you go back to sort of the core principles. Um, and Agile's not, Agile's not that magic bullet for any company. And it, it predominantly, it's being used in software development, but it can be used pretty much in any environment. But I say it's not a magic bullet because you can't just introduce Agile and everything goes smoothly, far <laughs> from it. Um, you know, they, they say when you bring a team up, it's, it's forming, um, storming, norming, and then performing. So the idea when you bring a group of people together, you will have tension. And mm-hmm. if you're not having tension in that type of environment, it's probably because everybody's still too polite. Ah. Um, and agile is about is about some honesty with people um, Mm. that you bring a group of people together and you put them and you enable them to sit and interact together and if I if I'm really good and I've got a strong personality and I'm working with somebody else that is also really good and has a strong personality the potentials are that we are going to clash Mm. um but the acceptance is that that's okay because ultimately we'll understand each other and ultimately we'll be able to interweave that knowledge and that strength for the better of the group. Um, so the, the use of Agile is you know, a pretty interesting concept. And I see that now it's been the, the thought processes, even if we don't call it agile, the thought processes are being used in many different companies in many different ways. And so in terms of you being able to continue in computers, did you get that fulfilled through following the agile? Because I believe you became a scrum master. Is that the word? So you okay, yeah. Oh, you're good. Look at you're my memory, good. right? Um, yeah. So does that then mean you went from computers to then having to manage people? I think I was already on that journey. Okay. Um, and I how did that feel to your nine-year-old self? My, well, my nine-year-old self had already grown, I think. <laughs> uh, I think the what had happened is 
I'd gone in as the techie, you know, I became um, network manager for, for Compaq UK, which, I mean, then became part of HP. Um, I was heading up a network management group across the whole of Europe for Compaq. Um, so I'd done all the techie stuff. But what started to happen was that I started to realise that the techie stuff in itself didn't make the business work. It was the relationships and the individuals that made the basically businesses work. In that, if you have two people of exactly the same qualifications, and mm -hmm. one has a positive mindset and one has a negative mindset, then the, the one with a negative mindset will tend to infect the mentality of those around and bring that group of people, bring it down to his level. If you have somebody with a positive uh, <clears throat> effect, then they bring people up. And, mm -hmm. and just, just throwing in an aside, if you put a woman in a group, she upgrades the IQ of the whole group. If it's, if it's all men, <laughs> stick, a, stick a woman in the group and they're all up to you. So men will become intelligent. Yes, really. um, and it's not because women are more intelligent, but it's, it's the, the way that we can, I think it's the way that we can foster that group rather than the interactions, which might be a, a little bit more comb combative. Mm -hmm. or adversarial um we we fetch uh we enable that group to work together um it probably is the same if you stick a man in a woman's group but it's because mm -hmm. i'm a woman i'm going to say that one but <laughs> yeah we're allowed we're two women here. Allowed. um <laughs> but it became very obvious to me that teams that were were working well together teams that had an honesty about them teams that were able to deal with conflict, deal with um, awkward situations by being able to say, you know, this is happening, this is how I feel, you know, this is the result of it. Being able to have those uplifted conversations, that emotional side of it, the, you know, the EQ rather than the IQ, those teams were doing better. Mm. And working within those teams and I say within rather than as a manager of those teams working within those teams um was much more joyous mm -hmm. because you knew that people weren't going to um you know the, the the backstabbing that might have been there wasn't there that they were more cooperative things got done it might be my job role but I don't actually have that skill but I know that somebody else is going to come and sit with me and upskill me or, or help me to do it without any judgment. And that role that I adopted as a scrum master was to enable that type of interaction to happen because the role of a scrum master is, um, there's a term servant leader. And mm -hmm. what it is, is that although you might be leading someone you are a servant to their needs. So if people have problems around, you're doing your best to resolve all of those problems because the whole group can move forward as a result of that problem resolution. And that side of it was what 
what made me feel good about going in to work. It wasn't, oh my goodness, there's another problem. It's, oh my goodness, there's another problem. How can we solve that? Um, so so really, of- like you were very happy to change your original dream as the journey happened, you were happy for that. Because something that you probably noticed from me is I'm really not that great at making goals or dreams and stuff because things change. I think a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves to say, well, when I was blah years old, I was told I had to learn to be blah, blah. And it's wonderful to hear that you allowed yourself to move into a new progression and, and embraced how you felt about certain areas. Are there any tips for allowing yourself to follow a different journey than perhaps you may have thought you wanted even a few years ago, let alone? Well, I, I think what you've just said there actually sums sums it up it's the the conversation somebody else had told you to do x y and z well hmm. that wasn't you you've said about allowing yourself well again you how how many times do we say and uh, there's a word that really really annoys me is the word <laughs> should how hmm. many times do we tell each other tell ourselves I should do that or I must do that because to me the words should and must are I I see them as negative outside influence the teacher told me that you know this is how I am so therefore this is how I should behave Mm -hmm. my parents expected something of me so therefore I should go down that avenue whereas stuff that you enjoy doesn't tend to have the shoulds and the musts Hmm. it has the wants I want to do this I need to do this because it's an internal drive I think me moving from the nine-year-old systems analyst totally analytical computer-based person through to where I am today has been a natural progression Mm -hmm. and I've allowed that progression to happen and in my life at this moment in time again is you know like everybody we're we're thinking and questioning and everything else and I feel that I'm making another transition at the moment in that Mm -hmm. I don't know where I'm going to end up Mm -hmm. and I don't know you know, how I'm going to get from here to wherever that is, because I don't know, you know, what the direction is at this moment in time, but I'm allowing it to happen. And I think we've, we've forgotten, as we get older, we've forgotten that actually, we are meant to change. We're meant Ooh, that's powerful. to change. Yeah, we, we are meant to change. If we didn't change, we'd still be wearing our diapers, you know, when, from when we were a kid, our nappies. Um, and every bit of information that we take in along that course of our life is changing us. Mm. And, and the challenge that we have is to be able to accept that rather than fight against it because we don't want to change. If we want everything to remain the same, then we are static. Therefore, we are falling. We're we're losing ground on who we are rather than becoming who we can be. 
And was it quite a scary, like I know for me, it, I've been through, a couple, as you know, quite a lot of changes um, in the last few years. And mm. I feel like when it was right, and you might have felt the same, when it was right, that change wasn't scary. It was like my body just required it. My brain just went, right, now you have to do this. Um, yeah. I think for a lot of people, that should and must a lot, a lot of people in careers and in employment often feel like I should stay here or I must stay doing this or I must stay in this marriage or I should be doing this. Is there, a, yeah, it's, it's very strange on the mind when you kind of just have that need of, I, I need to make this change. It's something just by you. Yeah. Words, it's really interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, I love the fact that you, you say you inherently knew that I think a lot of us inherently know that that's what we, you know, we would do better doing. That's that would fulfill our soul and ourselves in um, a much better way. But I think a lot of us actually suppress that because of the pressures that are around. Mm. If we were to do that, it's much easier. Um, Put it, putting it in a context of, uh, of moving on from one relationship, it is far, far easier of saying this relationship no longer suits me, I'm moving on. It's far easier to do that if you're a single person with your own income mm. and you can just up and leave. The, the pressures that are on... Um, some women some men when they've got the mortgage they haven't you know if they moved on how how do they keep a roof over their head they may have children i mean mm. it's it's you know without going into you know depth on the conversation but you know a woman and an oppressive husband mm. and no friends and family to help them to actually get out of that situation when they're body is crying out for something different and they know that it's crying out but they can't take that because of the consequences of taking that action so you know it would be very easy for me to say well you know actually we, we should all be following our hopes and our dreams and and it really is easy because if you find the right hope and dream you can move on you know that is not that's not a practicality mm. that's really that's a really honest response and I really appreciate that and I think um it's for a lot of people it is a very difficult thing to have to shush that voice sometimes until they can mm. make that change but it was yeah. also really wonderful to hear that for you you knew and you felt comfortable to make that change in your <laughs> career which is often the the place that I feel is a little bit easier to make a move but still very terrifying especially if you're changing your yeah and do you feel but like it, tech knowledge enabled you to, to move into agile and speak with the tech teams as well as the higher-ups because it gave you that gusto and kind of experience yeah I think I think where I benefited specifically was the fact that because I had the technical knowledge because I'd gone through the technical side of it. I understood about computers 
sometimes to a better level because I've worked for a manufacturing, you know, I used to have to buy the bits and then create the computer. Um, so I had the technical knowledge to be able to go and talk to the technical people in a way that gave me gravitas. But I also had the ability to have the basic pure English type of communication, not the techie talk to be able to go and talk with the stakeholders. So I had, but you know, both sides, but I'd like to bring that agile back to the question of, of moving on from somewhere, because I think that agile principle can be applied in any form of your life. Mm. Because sometimes I think what we're trying to achieve unto itself is so darn big that we can't comprehend it. It's too frightening. Mm. Let's say the person that's in a poor relationship with children, too frightening to contemplate, well, tomorrow I'm going to leave. Yeah. Um, but you can still adopt that agile mentality and going back to Sutherland about what the mentality mm. is rather than what the process is. You can still adapt that agile mentality, even to something like that. So your your big dream and goal might be to have, let's say, well, we use the same thing, left the husband with the children, and you've got a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be your big dream and goal, and you may not be able to see any way out of your situation to get to that big goal. So you might as well give up. You just, you know, you just bide your time, wait for the kids to leave, and then you've got the ability to move. But if you adopted an agile mindset on that, what you can start to do is this big, scary goal that you have no idea how to achieve is actually start thinking how you can take those steps to get there. Mm. Leo Zhu said the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Mm -hmm. So if you can think about, right, okay, my... You know, part of the reason why I cannot move is because I don't have an income. Part of the reason why I don't have an income is because I don't have um, I don't have the skills. Part of the reason why I haven't got the skills is because I've never had the opportunity. Uh, and you, you can so you can break these things down and you can start with tiny little changes that you can make. A tiny little change of, I mean, it's difficult now, everybody's homeschooling, but maybe is there something that you would like to do for yourself that you can sit down with your children homeschooling, look, mummy's doing the homework or daddy's doing the homework with you mm. so that you can capture and, and do that little bit of learning that might take you to the next step and the next step. If you, you know, if you haven't, you know that you haven't got money to be able to move, uh, you know, my grandmother and my mother, they both had, um, I can't remember how they used to call it, but runaway accounts, which was a bit of money stashed. (laughs) My nan has one of those. Yeah, 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 your own bit of money stashed. Um, It's difficult today because we've gone pretty much cashless, but I know my nan, you know, used to take just a little bit of money each mm-hmm. week and stash it so that if ever there was a crisis, she had runaway money. Mm. Um, you know, she was there for the whole duration, mm. but you know, it, it gave her a sense of security knowing that that was there. So those tiny, tiny little things that 
you can do to start the ball rolling mm. that will eventually grow and you will grow as a result of it because every time you do something like that for yourself, your own confidence grows, your own strength grows because you've got that buzz, the dopamine mm-hmm. that goes around in your brain because, yeah, tick in the box, you've done it. Then you can then start growing those things until it gets closer and closer to that bigger idea because that's mm-hmm. how they do it you know in the in the software environment they say right okay fine we want we want a website that's going to do this 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 and this and and you know we want to have these features but they can't work on it all together so they start right away from the very beginning you know what do we have to have by way of a machine to put the website on what do we have to have to create the website what do we have to have to have the features and then they build it all up and so that agile mentality can be applied to any situation, any walk of life, and it will enable anybody to start taking those little single steps or that first step of that thousand mile journey. Wow. When you think of it, in that way, massive things can be traced back to smaller and smaller and smaller stuff. So really, it makes it doable and not so terrifying. So it's kind of merged. I know we've gone back and forth between change as well as agile. They kind of mix together, I think. And that's why I found it so intriguing when I first had a really deep conversation with you um, about agile. Yeah, I think the... um... Um, as you may notice because obviously we're doing this as, as a as a zoom and we'll be taking off the language but whilst we've been talking it has gone dark and I can't it's gone very dark. dark um yeah so the yeah it, it's any in a software environment sometimes the projects are so big that you haven't any idea as to where to start in mm. your personal life um there's you know things are so big that you wouldn't know where to start my nine-year-old self would never have been able to comp you know to to understand where I got to when I was 25 what I'd managed to achieve by the time I was 35 where I've come to now in my life at age 60 so it my nine-year-old self would never have been able to see that but it's the fact that it didn't just happen overnight. I didn't. I wasn't just suddenly, you know, dropped into a work environment that I had to sort out. You know, a huge <laughs> It's the fact that my experiences had been gained step by step by step, and dropping into a poor environment. You know, that looks similar to what I managed to do there. That bit looks similar to what I managed to do here, and. I, I would not at age at age twenty five. I thought I'd made it. You know, I thought I. You know, that's that's as far as you go. You know, hmm. my somewhere between nine and fifteen, sixteen, I had decided that twenty five. If you hadn't got to where you wanted to be by the time you were twenty five, it was too late. Wow, that's so, bad. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and that stuck with me because on my twenty fifth birthday, I got up and I cried big time because I hadn't got to where I wanted to be by the time I was 25 failing to think that I had you know hopefully 75 more years after that to do it and 
had I have at age 25 been put into the situations that I used to deal with on a regular basis at age 50, age 55, I would have completely frozen. But I grew in that agile way for me. I grew by taking the steps, by learning from those steps. And if some, I did something wrong, then I hopefully, I, I know I used to, but I'm not so bad now, didn't chastise myself from getting it wrong. I looked at myself, right, you know, I can learn from that. Um, and it meant that I was growing all, all the while and what was around me was growing and I was becoming a, a different person, which is why I m- moved from pure tech to really now pure people you know the, mm. the tech stuff is an aside and I think that not chastising yourself is also very very important if we're meant to change if we're meant to grow then we have to learn and if we have to learn we have to fail because we don't get it right it's like the little child that's learning to walk if when the child gets up on its feet, the first thing that the parents do is shoving their hands out, come to me, come to me, come to me, to encourage that child to d- take those steps. And if that child falls over, the first thing that uh, the parent does is pick the child up and pop it back on its feet again to do it again. At mm-hmm. no stage does the child turn around, you know what, this walking off is pretty damn difficult. I'm not going to bother. All I ever do is fall over. <laughs> You know, and, and what do we do as adults? Oh, God, I got that one wrong. I'm stupid. You know, we have these little chattering monkeys that tell us that we've got it wrong instead of, oh, we've just learned from that. I've just learned that I cannot walk under a five foot banner, a you know, barrier, and not smash <laughs> my head because I'm five foot six. I've learned from that. Don't do it again. Mm. Um, yeah. I think that's such a poignant part as well like there's so many things I'm learning always whenever I have a conversation with you but I do realize that the older I get the less angry I'm getting at myself for making something making a failure and it is more oh I've learned that like maybe make that register in your brain cells as as a good thing um and something my mum said once is no one died from that like you're not a surgeon you're not a neurosurgeon and if you were you'd have been learning for a lot longer to be that surgeon oh yeah and I think that was something that for me especially as a business owner is something that has to be really worked on is you're going to make mistakes. And I don't think unless you, you have to have a way to resolve it in an appropriate manner and then move on from it. Cause it can completely ruin your day. Mm-hmm. And I, think, I know we, we'd said we'd probably keep to around about half an hour. So I'd love from you, like the three ways a business owner, an entrepreneur or a leader can add some agile into their business with it put you on the spot but would there be three ways that we could start adding agile to our daily lives yes Mm. I think I think the first thing is whatever you're doing don't look at it as a whole break it down to the composite parts and tackle those individual parts because those individual parts will grow up into the whole that you're trying to achieve, whether that's 
you know, creating a business from from on set, or if you're working with clients that give you, you know, a big challenge, mm-hmm. take it down to its composite parts. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing that you know is going to be, and I'll, I'll reiterate what you've just said, is don't be hard on yourself. Accept that you will fail. If you're not pushing yourself hard enough, mm-hmm. you won't fail. But if you are pushing yourself and you are trying to learn and you are trying to go, you will fail at some stage. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. That's perfectly okay. Accept it and then learn from it and then move on. Because some t- at some stage in the future, you will have, you'll come back, the same lesson will, will you know, approach you um, and you'll go, hey, been there done that one no I can't do it this way so I'll do it this way instead so text box is a mail merge (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) exactly um so there's the two and the third is just to understand that in my opinion challenges that come your way are just ways of allowing you to grow. It's, a, it's allowing you to, to step up and become the best that you can be. And again, taking it back to an agile environment, everybody in those small little teams, those little scrums or, or whatever the team name is that you, you give to it, depending on what you're doing, mm-hmm. that, that those small little teams, they're all there to be the best that they can be but for the benefit of everybody around them. And so if you're working with your clients as a business, show up and be the best person that you can be for your client so that your client benefits as well. Thank you, Elaine. Always so just uplifting listening to you talk about just the wonders of just everything. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. And, and I have recognised that this week, we seem to have focused mainly on me and my knowledge that maybe we need to start thinking about um, reversing the tables and seeing what we can pick from your brain um, about helping your clients and things like that, maybe. <laughs> Sharp intake of breath. Have an <laughs> agile mindset to think of that. Uh, that is a big chunk to think about. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Okay. So, we'll, you know, so I'll leave. I'll leave you to think about what your first steps will be. <laughs> Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Thank you, Elaine. Okay. You're welcome. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Unscripted uh, with Elaine Sullivan and Hannah Leversidge. We're really excited to now be on iTunes as well as Spotify and all your favorite podcast players. So if you get a chance, we'd really appreciate it if you can leave a little quick review. Let us know any of the subjects you'd like to listen to by emailing me, which is hannah at amethystpa.co.uk. And hopefully we'll be doing this even more often than we expected last time because we uh, actually speak once a week and we decided to record every other one of them. So see you next time and thank you for listening.